0: Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon.
1: My name's Meredith Van Sant, and I am Being Boss.
0: So today we're talking with Meredith Van Sant about going from working in corporate to quitting her job and building a yoga studio from the ground up and becoming successful in a super short amount of time with very limited experience. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. Hey guys, it's heating up outside. A lot of people are taking a pause from their business to go on vacation and have fun And this is really a great time of year to make sure that you're staying on top of your bookkeeping and accounting and FreshBooks is here to help. Their automated features are gonna help you save so much time, including payment reminders. So they're gonna help you having that awkward talk with your client about past due payments by sending it on your behalf. And there's also things like online payments. If you're waiting on a client's check to show up to your doorstep, You can automate this with simply two clicks and get payments on the line. Oh, and your clients will love paying by credit card straight from their invoice. So save yourself some time this summer with FreshBooks automated features, get your bookkeeping in order, and go on vacation or soak up some sun in your own backyard. Try it for free at freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Meredith is a founder of True You Girls and has brought yoga and mindfulness to underserved populations through the United Nations, National Girl Summits, and Girls Inc. She is the owner of 405 Yoga, a power flow studio located in cities across the U.S. And Meredith's work focuses on adolescent resiliency, health and wellness through traditional power modalities, and is a trained power flow and rocket yoga teacher. Meredith, we are so excited to have you on Being Boss. I feel like there's an Oklahoma connection. Thank you for having me, and there totally is. You actually gave a shout-out to Oklahoma City in one of your latest episodes. I did a little air pump. Like, woo-hoo. <laughs> it's so funny because a lot of people don't know that I'm from Oklahoma City. I think that they assume Brooklyn or San Francisco. But Emily and I are here podcasting from Emily's in Chattanooga. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's wonderful. You know,
1: people don't realize that Oklahoma is full of young entrepreneurs. I think that people, myself included, have either moved away or done enough traveling where we're now coming back into our city. And I'll be surprised. I'm sitting at a coffee shop next to someone in sweats or jeans. And they're the real movers and shakers of the city. It's people our age that are starting to propel this city forward, both from things we experienced from living outside of Oklahoma City and coming back, but also we've always been cool. So
0: um, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) A shout out to the big friendly. No, but I do love, I do love my home. There are certain things that frustrate me about it, but what I do love is our creative community. And that would be the hardest thing to leave. So With that, tell us about your own journey of becoming a yogi and where that's taken you so far. Sure. Now, do either of you all practice yoga? Yes. I was just thinking about this, adding it up. I've been practicing for 20 years on and off. Snap! I started practicing yoga whenever I was 15 with, you might even know him, Meredith, Andrew Epler. It was Ashtanga yoga was like my first, I didn't know anything about yoga and just jumped right into an Ashtanga practice. Okay, you got so very that's my you background. got
1: very lucky to find that. That's phenomenal. I mean, that's really good for Oklahoma too. Andrew is phenomenal. Oh, I'm so happy to be chatting with yogis then. This is great. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I was educated in Oklahoma. So I'm originally from here, finished my master's in Oklahoma State University and was recruited out to Washington, D.C., and was in consulting for years. My main client was TSA headquarters, and I would travel around to many of the 450 federalized airports, and I would roll out these national training programs, Uh, so things that you might know like TSA pre-check, and things that you might not be familiar with, but TSA is really working to improve, like wait times, customer service. Um, I got to lead about a 20-person team. Uh, I remember being about eight and a half months pregnant at LAX, thinking, like, I have the best job ever. This is so fun. Uh, And had my son, went straight back to work because I loved what I did. I was building um, communities across the country. And... After about gosh, six months after going back to work, after having my son, who's now three, I was the first uh, woman to win employee of the year at our midsize consulting firm. And I kind of thought, you know, without sounding flippant, that this is too easy, right? Like this was kind of handed a little bit too easy. And I want to affect change on a much greater level. And I want to have creative control of the process, which I think a lot of the Being Boss tribe can relate to. Uh, So I opened up our first brick and mortar in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Washington, D.C. We've been open since November 2015, and it has been phenomenal. What a journey.
0: Wait, wait, wait. I feel like there are so many holes here. Hang on. So you go from consulting, TSA, inventing pre-check to, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Maybe you didn't invent pre-check, but Oh my gosh, I
1: wish. Oh, what a lifesaver. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. To opening a yoga studio. So did you already have a practice? Like, tell us about your yoga background. I did. That's a great question.
1: I moved to Washington, D.C., and I'm a super outgoing person, and I didn't know anybody, and I would leave work on Fridays, and I wouldn't talk to anyone again until Monday morning, and it was super lonely. I would talk the head off a barista. I'm still really close with Eduardo from Starbucks. He's phenomenal, right? He was kind of one of my first friends in the city and still recognizes me. Uh, but I really didn't have any type of community, and I was very isolated. Lots of tearful phone calls home to my parents. Am I going to make it? What am I doing? And it was by stumbling into a yoga studio that I began to practice. And even though I didn't know anyone, they'd kind of do the head nod, like uh, air wave. Hi, hi, good to see you. And I started to grow roots in the city because of the practice. And it's something that I wanted to provide northeast D.C., So after I had my son and we moved over to that quadrant, we really didn't have any fun power flow yoga studios, and I thought, this is my chance. It's such an offering and a service to give people this type of yoga, and I'm great at building communities, and I've shown myself to be a leader through consulting. I thought, this is what I want to do. Entrepreneurship's in my blood. My father and my grandfather are both entrepreneurs, Uh, so it's always been nice to kind of have their ear and listen to their feedback as I kind of go on my own journey uh, and I really did. I just pulled the trigger. Um, I left consulting about six months before our actual brick and mortar opened. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, I actually was I did a lot of the demo for our first space. It was an old liquor store in D.C. And I remember like pulling down the ceilings and old liquor bottles would fall out. Uh, and I really was so hands on with the first project. We've since rolled out more brick and mortars. And uh, I haven't had to really like roll up my sleeves and get dirty with sawdust, although I do not mind doing that to save a couple dollars. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I we loved it. it. It's been really rewarding.
2: Awesome. So you, so, okay. I I need to know when you were getting your training too, then were you getting your training also while you had your day job or did your yoga training come in that six months before your brick and mortar? When did all of that go down?
1: Yes. That's a great question. So we are crazy in DC. We're very type a, we probably need a little bit more restorative yoga, but we're total power flow, a rocket yogis. I did my teacher training about two months after I had my son. Uh, So I went straight into it. It was a program, uh, Friday nights and the weekends, for working professionals. And I knocked it out within three to four months. Uh, So I was a trained yoga instructor, was teaching at studios around town, of course, while I was consulting, and uh, decided this was my my breakaway from the 9 to 5. So working 9 to 5, getting your yoga teacher training –
2: teaching yoga with a kid under a year old.
1: Yes. I mean, it's right. I mean, it's all no. about, <laughs> it's all about finding the right partner. I've a really supportive boyfriend of about 11 years and we've always been in this together. Now looking back, I'm like, poor guy. He had a newborn every weekend while I was off, like having the time of my life going through yoga teacher training, but it, he never batted an eye. It was something that really mattered to me, both on a personal practice and kind of knowing this is what I maybe wanted to do eventually as a full-time career.
2: Oh, I love that. I think I think having partners in our life that are willing and just as excited, hopefully, to take on roles and responsibilities so that their partners can do exciting and engaging things is really important. So if you don't have a partner who does that, you might want to rethink things. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I would say second. hands
1: down. I don't know how I would do it. I don't know. Strap the baby on my back and go into teacher training. I might have. Uh, But luckily, I had a partner that was willing to step up. It's so important.
0: Yeah, I know. I feel like there's always this, you know, we talk a lot about the work-life blend here at Being Boss. And even for me, I find myself wanting to separate out my success from any sort of dependency, whether that's financial or emotional, from my partner. Now, I will say that... I think it's really cool to rely on a partner financially, but even more so emotionally. And I think that a lot of the bosses that we interview and that we work with one on one or are in the clubhouse all, you know, wish that they had that financial backing. And even if they do, they still have that drive that stands out separate from their partner's success. But I guess what I'm trying to say here is that it's okay to rely on somebody else, whether that be a business partner. I mean, I rely on Emily in financially and emotionally in many ways that I rely on my husband or my sister who's also my business partner so I think there is something to be said for having support networks to help get you off the ground but I want to come back around to the fact that you had a dream job at your day job I mean you loved it so And it seems like if you're really wanting to ignite change on a big level, working with TSA is pretty big. Like it almost seems counterintuitive that a big change might be getting smaller. So can you speak a little bit to that?
1: Yes, I mean yeah, TSA was a phenomenal client. They were great. But when it comes down to it, I was working for a mid-sized consulting firm and I was affecting the type of change that they wanted. Uh and they were phenomenal. I was one of the only women in the firm though, so it felt good to stick around for a while and hire up more women and train them. But it got to the point where it didn't feel authentic to me anymore. It didn't feel like I was truly affecting change. And I wonder if this is a shared experience with other consultants that have worked with government agencies. There's so much bureaucracy and there's not a lot of autonomy within it that I thought this doesn't feel authentic to who I am, being creative, uh, being self-motivating. So it was time for a change. Um, I miss, I miss, I mean, I miss the team sponsored happy hours. You know, but, and I, I just, I adored my colleagues and I had the the pleasure of working with a lot of men, most of my team was male um, on the contract. And they were just some of the most inspiring, thoughtful, motivating people. I never kind of felt like I was the best woman contract manager. I always just kind of felt like we were the best program. And I was just honored to lead it. Although very well deserving. I worked very hard to get that role. Uh, but I always kind of felt like it was a great team to be a part of. And I sure do miss them.
0: I think that one of the biggest fears a lot of our listeners have and even ourselves sometimes is this fear of doing something that's already been done and opening a yoga studio in an incredibly saturated market, right? I mean, yoga has become a booming industry. Did you have any of that fear of like, oh my gosh, what am I adding to this? What differentiates me? Where did your motivation and confidence come from to do this thing?
1: Okay, so here's the thing. I mean, the best yoga studio is the one closest to you in D.C. You could literally sneeze and land on a yoga studio or a coffee shop. So you have to be so much different or offering something that's so unique and catchy that somebody's willing to walk past two yoga studios to go to yours. So it was a really fun opportunity for us to go in there and try some things out. I knew we would succeed because my work ethic and my drive wouldn't allow otherwise. Just a lot like you all and like the Being Boss tribe, you're willing to work at something until you can make it successful. And that's really what's going to separate you from your competitors is do you show up, do you do the work, and will you not quit? Will you keep going? For us, you know, I think it's so important to shop your competitors. Yeah, sign up for their email newsletters, uh, order their products, see what their client retention emails are like, uh, see what their welcome emails are like, maybe the packaging that their products come in at. But I think it's even more important to stay on your own yoga mat, so to speak, or to swim in your own lane. Be so busy, active listening to your clients that you're coming up with creative problem solving to things that they really want. Without you ever looking at any competitors. And I think it's our way of creating, not replicating by listening to our clients all the time. It's, I think it's our biggest strength. We're constantly doing creative rollouts, new products, and we continue to grow. This is the industry's slowest time and we're having the biggest numbers yet. I truly think it's because our eyes are on our own yoga mat, just crushing it how we can
2: that is some super powerful messaging and can be translated into anyone's business you know i think about i think about the the entrepreneurs or the business owners the creatives that that I've worked with before who are so obsessed with what their competitors are doing and, you know, what's happening in the industry around them, but they're not taking the direct feedback from the people who are actually hiring them or buying from them. And I think that's when you can, that's when you can just put yourself in a really nasty place. But if you're listening to the to the info and only to the info that is actually relevant to what it is that you are doing, then that's when
1: you can actually do really cool things. Yes. And I think Brene Brown, who was on, who was on Being Boss... Uh, previously, she had even mentioned, right, like really taking the feedback from the people that you respect and that have your best interest. Same thing. Our community loves the community. They want to keep coming to yoga there. They want to bring their friends. So we're more focused on the people that are coming. And because the thing is, if you create something for everybody, nobody's going to come. So find your niche, love them hard, listen hard, and then formulate your rollouts, product launches, and services around their feedback, what they want.
0: Okay, so then more specifically, what did you roll out that they wanted?
1: Well, we're kind of wacky. We're kind of weirdos in the yoga community. Really, really rowdy, positive vibes. We do everything from a yoga mat hanging up in the studio. When you hit 100 classes, you ring a bell, you sign the mat, you get some swag. You're part of the 100 class club. We do funky flows like Thin Power for International Women's Day. Oh, gosh, we've done some really creative ideas with our 200-hour teacher training programs. Even our client retention emails are really kind of tongue-in-cheek, kitschy, funny. They reflect our brand. We're not afraid to publish first and iterate second, which I think is really important for the tribe on being bossed here. You know, we think that having something done is better than it being perfect, uh, because if you wait for something to be perfect, you're just not going to do it. You've got to check your unattainable standards at the door, publish things, try things. You know, our yogis wanted a power flow express. Our yogis wanted a slower fluid flow. We made up a class name. Uh, it's now getting national attention. We're really excited about it. It's called Heartbeats. Uh, so we are not afraid to do wacky things.
2: I Good. Love that. I
1: I do too, and it's it helps
2: you build a brand that's that's obviously different and noticeable
1: and recognizable. And when you're building a brand, that's what you want. Yes, <laughs> yes, it, it truly is. And uh, I think it has, to your point, differentiated us from most of the market. We're not a sitting down lotus calm studio. Although you get super zen by the end of class, we flow hard. We sweat. We high five our neighbors. You know, community really is at the core of most of what we do, what the Being Boss Creative Entrepreneurs do is build this community. And it's if you can listen to the people coming in your doors, your online shops, if you can listen to what they want, you can solve their problems in a very creative way and really start to be an industry leader rather than just a replicator
0: community is the name of the game and I didn't realize how important it was and even coming back around to that conversation of support from your partner conversation from conversations with your community and the support that you get from them being able to high-five your neighbor on a yoga mat is going to make or break your experience and it makes a tangible difference and so a lot of our community is solopreneurs that are sitting behind their desks all day by themselves. And I think that they start to really get in their heads and they start to get really freaked out. So, Meredith, I know that you're about fucking some fear. Yes, yes. (laughs) Maybe that's not the way to put it. Oh,
1: my gosh. I hope my parents aren't listening.
0: Yeah, you guys, we're about to drop some F-bombs here. So if if your kids are in the
1: car with you, go ahead and (laughs) turn us off. Because
2: it's time. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs)
1: It's so true, though. It's so true. My thought is that life happens every single day. And it's like, what are you doing? We do this with our 200-hour teacher trainees that are going through our yoga teacher training program. We do this with our True You teen girls who we do yoga, meditation, and mindfulness with. We have them write a list about the things that they're fearful about. And then we kind of have them write, it's almost like, what would you do if you were not afraid? Like, what would you do if you weren't afraid? From a bio-social-emotional perspective, most of the reasons we don't go for what we want to go for is we have a fear of what people will think. And that's just biological in nature, and then, of course, ecological, social, emotional in nature as well. Uh, But it's what are people going to think about me? And the thing is, what people think about you is their business. I would be remiss if I didn't quote Hillary Rodham Clinton right now, but it's almost like take feedback seriously, not personally. Right, So like you've got all of these things incoming all of the time. What are people going to think about me? Am I an imposter? Do I z- deserve to be here? Am I going to be able to afford to own my own business, to be a solopreneur? How can I make this work? There's all these fears that ruminate within our head. The thing is, your job is to focus on your business to grow, build, and scale. We have a sign at 405 Yoga Oklahoma City, and it's bright neon pink. You creative entrepreneurs will love this. It's a text color FF1A65. Okay. So it is like, and it says huge neon sign and it says YOLO and it takes up like the whole wall. And it truly is our motto for living life. You only live once. So fuck your fear. Sorry, dad. And just do it. Some fear might be rational. Some might be irrational. But the thing is, if you can make a list of all of your goals, And the things that are holding you back, the things that you are fearful about when reaching those goals... That's step one. Then it's like, okay, every single decision I'm making today, just today needs to get me closer to meeting the goals, right? Fuck my fear. These are my goals. And every decision I'm making is going to get me closer to these goals that are going to build, grow, and scale my brand. You know, I felt really fearful. I was rolling out our 200 hour yoga teacher training program. And I would consider myself a freshman in this senior yoga industry scene in DC. And I had these thoughts. What are people going to think? Do they think I haven't served my time? I haven't paid my dues. Am I qualified enough? Am I smart enough? Do I know enough about this? Meanwhile, I was on part-time faculty at George Washington University in the yoga classroom teaching philosophy and yoga. I had some merits about me. Uh, But I still had this fear, and it was holding me back from launching. And this product, Teacher Training, would have been a huge revenue generator. It would have helped me create teachers that specifically fit our concept. And it would have helped me grow community and reputation. But I still was so fearful about what people would think, I almost didn't roll it out. And I called a girlfriend. She's now in Amsterdam. And I told her about how fearful I was. And she said, what are you really that scared about? I said, well, what people are going to think about me, rational or not? And she said, listen, Mir." and I think this is really important for the Being Boss tribe to hear as well. She said, your vision is so much greater than their ego. And to me, that meant a lot because it almost put the onus back on me to pursue my goals and fuck fear and crush my daily choices so that I could roll out this program. So it kind of took the energy off of what are people gonna think, which is valid, and I understand that gut feeling. But when it came down to it, I now rolled out my teacher training program. We're moving into our third cohort. I'm generating revenue. I'm creating teachers for our concept. And it was just picked up by the Greater Washington DC YMCA to roll out in their studios as well. If I, had, if I had, like, succumbed to fear, oh, I'd be missing all of that, plus the community of teachers we've built that we're putting out into Washington, D.C.
0: I'm still recovering from the sucker punch that your vision is greater than their ego. Mic drop, you just dropped on us. Right? That is so good. And I would even, I was just now thinking, wow, it could even apply to my own ego. Like, my vision is greater than my own ego. It's greater than anybody's ego. That's uh, incredible. I have to ask what it is
2: that you make those people do whenever they write their list of fears on that piece of paper because I'm hoping you make them put it in their mouth and chew it up and spit it out. <laughs>
1: So that's a great question. Sometimes we have them maybe because sometimes people will just start to write and it's a beautiful expression just to get your greatest goals and fears on the same piece of paper. It's almost like you've committed them outside of your mind. But we Mm -hmm. also have them pick maybe one or two goals. Uh, and we have them do things like set a date for when you want to accomplish this goal. Uh, identify the barriers and your solutions to those barriers. What, what are your creative solutions? We also have them identify the people, places and things that are going to help them achieve those goals. What girlfriends talk about, talk about partners and support. What girlfriends, friends, family are going to help you reach this goal? Uh, who do you not need to surround yourself with? Uh, so we kind of help them do contextual applicable things to make the decisions to reach their goals. It's not just some lofty pen and paper journaling exercise. It's, okay, what's the date that you're going to accomplish it by? And what are you going to do to reach your goal? Love that. That is super actionable. Everyone do that. Go do it. Go do it right
0: now. Yes. (laughs) I have a question about goals too. So in yoga, for example, and I love connecting parallels between mind-body connection and our entrepreneurial practices. So let's say I'm a yogi and I want to perfect my handstand, which is like arm balances are just the hardest thing in the world, right? But it's everyday little changes that you can make. So what would you say to someone who wants to get in a handstand and how does that apply to our businesses?
1: uh Emily, Kathleen, I love that. So I have to tell a quick story. I was practicing at our DC studio and, you know, we go hard. So I was handstanding, arm balancing. We call it OFPing. I was on my own fucking program on my mat. You know, when you just need to move and, and breathe and we OFP all over the place at 405 Yoga. So I'm in there in my own practice and afterwards, a student that I think was a newer face, I had Had the pleasure of meeting her yet? Came up to me and said, Wow, your practice is really strong. I wish I could handstand like you. I'll never have that in my practice. And I thought, man, that's really interesting that she said that because for about the last two, two and a half years, I've been practicing handstand almost every single day. And I have fallen many times in class, smacked over on blocks, whacked a teacher, hit my friend. I've fallen on my face. My ego's been bruised. There have been many different setbacks, but I was determined, it was a goal of mine to reach handstand. And I kept practicing and I thought, you know what this one student didn't understand is the hard work that goes into these things that happen behind the scenes that nobody ever sees. And I think that's half the effort of being a successful entrepreneur is showing up. So I started to kind of- It's more than half the effort. Yes, yes. (laughs) I mean, I, I absolutely agree. You know, I think- Number one, the yoga mat serves as a mirror and it oftentimes reflects what's going on. Do we push ourselves too hard? Do we not push ourselves hard enough? What? How are we talking to ourselves? Are we being kind to ourselves? What is going on in your mind? What is the tape? What's the loop saying today? And I think that if you just show up and do the work, I, I remember running my first marathon and it wasn't the... 26.2 miles that made me feel accomplished. It was the idea that I did this on my own. No one else could get me through this marathon but myself. And I think that about a handstand. I can have some great teachers, which we do. I can keep practicing, which I did, but getting it and achieving it and feeling it in my own body, only I could do the hard work every single day to finally achieve that posture. And so, you know, I say, show up, do the work, that could look like cold calling, right? Half of your competitors aren't gonna start cold calling new clients. By showing up and you putting yourself out there and tossing the fear aside, if your goal is to get new clients, make a list of all the people that are serving your demographics Cold call that partner, get a partnership going with them. Cold call those people because more than likely, your competitors aren't showing up to do the work you are. And I think that's what differentiates the Being Boss tribe from a lot of these other people that aren't showing up. Amen. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I hope I hope and pray, guys, that that is one of the things that differentiates us from all the other tribes or groups of entrepreneurs or people or creatives in the world is that you guys are the ones who are actually doing it. And from what Kathleen and I have seen, especially those who, you know, join us in the clubhouse or really show up and do the work is that they're showing up and doing the work. And that is That for me, I know makes it worth the hours that Kathleen and I put into this thing is seeing what comes out of it whenever that message hits ears that are ready to actually do it. I love that. I love
0: that. All right. We have to hang up soon. I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but I want you to tell us about True You Girls. Before you hang up because Emily and I care a lot about giving back and with the recent political climate, I think that people are stepping up more than ever and really wanting to find ways to blend um, their business model with giving back. So I would love to hear a little bit about that.
1: Oh, sure. Well, first of all, I am a survivor of adolescence. I feel like I barely made it through. And I I feel like the more and more I share my, my story of my teenage years, there's a lot of head nodding and me too. So I wish I would have had this yoga, meditation and mindfulness tools growing up. So what we did is we took 405 Yoga, our for-profit studios, and we created a not-for-profit spoke called True You, which does yoga, meditation, and mindfulness for teen girls. And it's trauma-informed, it's body-positive, it's empowering, it's creating those communities of girls supporting other girls. We did it for free because it was so meaningful to be able to go out into the community. Soon the United Nations picked us up, and we got picked up for a second year. So I'll be out in D.C. in July doing a 200-plus-person event for the United Nations for teen girls across the country. But we started to do all of these... these. um Great engagements with young girls who are, if you need to get inspired and a refresh in your life, go hang out with some teen girls that want to change the world. And it's like, yes, that's a mic drop. So, you know, so we're doing all this work and women found out what we were doing and they gave us this huge grant. So we've been able to now roll out our program in D.C. where we started Oklahoma City, and then um, San Francisco is rolling out in the fall. And we're training these teachers, yoga teachers in these big cities on the True You engagement model, which we created. Uh, The model is set to work with really any vulnerable youth population. We just created a True Colors for LGBTQ youth, and we are starting to work with teen boys as well. And we go in, we do yoga, meditation, mindfulness, uh, True Talks, which is journaling, goal setting. Um, We don't really send F and fear, but we definitely say, <laughs> we definitely say forget fear and they, they need it too. They're scared of what people think just like we are as adults. Um, the model has been successful. Our efficacy numbers look great. Uh, we just rolled out in New Jersey for a temporary engagement at Freehold High School. So we're kind of all over the country. You can follow us on True You Girls, our Instagram account. I'd love—I think it's on fire. You guys are like the bosses, though. This, the the Bing Boss Tribe would let us know what's up. Uh, but that's how we connect with our our teen girls from around the country, and we love that it's part of 405 Yoga.
0: That's so inspiring. I love it. Do you feel like, though, that you had to bring on a whole new team or a whole new, I mean, does it feel like another 40 hours a week, if that makes sense? Does it feel like you're launching a whole new business? How do you have the bandwidth?
1: Uh, we did we created a really solid training program, and we started to delegate out all, all the work and You all understand the higher and and larger your business grows, the less you actually maybe get to do what you truly enjoy. I'm not in there teaching anymore and playing Justin Bieber and journaling with these girls you know now I'm more so. Delegating our awesome instructors that we've trained into these engagements and getting to see the effects it's having on our instructors as well as the girls. It's pretty inspiring. They're amazing.
0: Okay, I've got one more question. Because you get a lot of publicity and recognition, and I'm sure other yoga studios could look at you and be like, how? Like, I'm doing these cool, amazing things. And even us as creative entrepreneurs have these, you know, whenever someone else lands that amazing interview or that conference gig or whatever it might be, recognition, awareness, attention. Are you showing up for those things too? Do you have a system for pitching yourself or is it just happenstance that you're getting recognized? Because I've started to realize oh, wait, these people are applying for these grants. These people are showing up for these things just as much as they're showing up for their clients. So I'd love to hear a little behind the scenes of that. Yes,
1: and I know we don't have much time, but I'm so glad you brought that up. We have always been people first, product second always. Uh we care more about the people coming through the door than we do about making a dollar. Now the conversion rate is great if you care about the people, if you care about your team, your teachers, your shift leads, they're going to care about the clients and you you will do you do you will do well financially. I think because we've always been people first, we've been in the community. We've had a lot of exposure. So use that as a tool for your advantage. Create partnerships with the people that are already serving your community, and you'll get exposure that way. We had done so many free events for Athleta, which I'm the brand ambassador for. We had done so many free events for Lululemon, for other women-owned businesses in D.C., that by the time it came to be, oh, we have extra money that needs to go to a meditation and mindful program in D.C., well, they had us on speed dial because we've been supporting for a few years now. So it's all about going in with the idea of serving community and gaining exposure that it will continue to compound and grow on itself.
2: And this is super reminiscent of, we did a mini said recently on giving it all away for free and how important that is for our model, this idea of, again, just showing up and giving and caring and doing the things whenever it comes time for people to need what it is that you do you're obviously going to be the first person on their list whatever it may be it's a
1: savvy move as an entrepreneur to partner with people that want to grow and build uh, I, I ha- that's how we really grow and get exposure is connecting with the people that are on the same track we are right.
0: for sure oh, I love that Meredith it has been so much fun talking to you I have one more question what makes one, you more, feel, one more question. <laughs> one more.
1: Are you in Oklahoma now? I'm currently in Oklahoma City. Well let's, let's go, go grab some, some coffee.
0: Girl you know where to find me 405 Yoga Midtown. I didn't <laughs> realize that you were already open. Are you in the old bar three spot? No
1: so we are in the same building as Hall's Pizza Kitchen with the rooftop and yes, Mario's. Yes. yes we love it. So we're Exiting our soft rollout, we've been open three weeks and we're loving Oklahoma City. The the people here rock, so we're thrilled to be kind of leaving our soft rollout and going into the grand opening. And then we launch in North Oklahoma City in a shipping container uh, this fall or spring, depending on construction schedule.
0: I love that. Well, I will be there. Um, other than that, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, so you can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Meredith Van Zant. You can check out our studios. 405 yoga instagram and facebook and everybody go follow true you girls true you girls instagram and facebook.
0: Okay, and then one last question for real this time. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you feel most boss?
1: Oh, what makes me feel most boss? This is the least sexy answer. Processes
0: and procedures. Yes, ma'am.
1: <laughs> I'm totally For here as with unsexy
0: you on that. as that answer is, Emily just got off. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's so true. If my dad told me anything, it was, listen, Mayor, if you're going to scale, grow, and build, make sure your process and procedure is so spot on that as you grow, you're not compounding any issues, even if they're minute. Everything we did, if, we, if it was a success, failure, it went back into the process, doc, and was reflected there. Love it.
0: He's a beautifully smart man. I, I love it. He's great. Oh. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We've loved having you on the show. It's
1: been a pleasure. Thank you so much
0: for having me. This episode of Being Boss was brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Thank you to FreshBooks for sponsoring us. And you guys can try it for free by going to freshbooks.com slash being boss. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club.
2: If you're a creative entrepreneur, freelancer, or small business owner who is ready to take your goals to the next level, check out the Being Boss Clubhouse, a 2-day online retreat followed by a year of community support, monthly masterclasses, book club, secret episodes, and optional in-person retreats. Find more at www.beingboss.club/clubhouse.